You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, would you say that it would be a fair call to say <laughs> that you would like to win more finals? <laughs> yes, I, I actually uh, tweeted out just before the game started the meme. Uh, you know the meme that went, it went pretty viral a couple of years ago. Where I think it's out of Grand Theft Auto or something like that, where the guy's like walking down the street and he's like, "Ah, oh, right. shit, yeah, here yeah. we go again." Yep. And I, I actually tweeted that out before the game even started with that guy and put a little cat's beanie on him because honestly, the, that is the feeling I think for most cats fans going into a final. It's almost this feeling of dread that uh, uh, this is not going to go well. The, the the quote, and this is from a tweet, and i just got to find where this tweet is. I did have it, and then, yeah, I refreshed the page, and it disappeared, of course. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's a... Here we go. Chris Scott admits we'd like to win more finals. Like, no shit. Yeah. Like, no shit. Well, oh, you want to win every final that you play. You want to win every game that you play. Oh, yeah, no. If, if we could if we could have it our way, we'd, we'd win more. Like, no, of course you would. I don't think that there was any of that... Ugh, Geelong coming off a bye. Ugh, Geelong choking in the finals. I don't think it was any of that. I think Port Adelaide's just a, a pretty good team, a really good team, and they beat them at home. And that's that's it. Geelong had their chances. We've talked at length on this show about goal kicking and how Geelong had benefited from a really accurate goal kicking throughout the uh, the season. And um, yeah, the, the best forward in the competition, the guy that led the league in goals and goals assists and score involvements, Tom Hawkins, he, uh, he had a stinker. Couldn't couldn't kick straight to save his life, and some of those weren't easy shots. But that's part of your defense and pushing them into those spots. But five behinds, no goals, is not a good return from Tommy. Yeah, had the out of bounds in the fall as well, and I actually agree with Chris Scott. And this is the big thing that I would take away from this game. I think if you looked at Cats finals in the past, you could always pinpoint something that was very obvious that I think most people would have changed or done differently, whether it was selection going into the game, whether it was you know last year the prelim. Obviously, it was Blitzer playing on a wing instead of on Tom Lynch. I just didn't see anything in this game. I mean, you, you have to take your opportunities in a final. As you said, we've spoke about it, that goal kicking was probably going to cost a team a final in this one. And the big thing was that I thought the first quarter and the fourth quarter was kind of 50-50. It was, it was in the mix. The, there was different styles of footy being played. And at quarter time, I was starting to wonder to myself, my concern about the Cats all year has been, are they going to actually play their style of football in the finals? Is it going to be possible for them to do it when the intensity is up, the pressure's up? Everyone's feeling a little bit anxious because they weren't in the first quarter. But in the second quarter, I mean, they played. That was Geelong football. I mean, they just controlled the, the ball for the whole entire quarter. And as you said, they just couldn't kick straight. If you go to statsinsider.com, uh, their uh, score prediction, as we often have this season, they finished the home and away season uh, plus 7% on expected score uh, from the shots they had from the areas in the ground they were taking them, which turned out to be uh, plus 83.3 points. So around 13 extra goals they picked up this year. Obviously, they won a couple of close games as well. Tom Hawkins on the season was 75% on shots on goal from 0 to 24 meters during the season. He was 0 for 3, 3 behinds in the game last night. And and really, I mean, that this is where this game lost. Like, I, you, I think if you're a Geelong fan, you walk away saying, well, 
yeah, I mean, it, it sucks that we lost, but the game plan held up for a, a, a certainly a, a fair portion of the game. We certainly had, uh, they certainly had the game on their terms for an extended period of time and enough time to win the game, and they just didn't take their chances. And in the third quarter, Port Adelaide absolutely did. Yeah, that's the thing. Look, Reece Stanley missed an easy one early on. Hawkins missed a yeah. couple of easy ones early on. Um, one thing I will point to, though, if we're going to say you know, if there is a criticism, I don't know what the hell Luke Dalhouse was doing in the center uh, in the final quarter for a guy that had barely been in there all season. He is not a midfielder like that. And when you've got Dangerfield and Selwood and you're playing Atkins and Dalhouse in the middle, that's somewhat questionable. Uh, and then Port got a couple of those clearances and really put the game away in the fourth quarter. But they could have been up Geelong easily in the first quarter, in the second quarter. They should have been up in the second quarter, and they just couldn't uh, couldn't convert those. Inside 50s, even. Um, yeah, Port won the clearances, which is we talked about as a key to this game. But yeah, realistically, uh, there was opportunities for Geelong to be closer. They ended up only losing by 16 points. So they shouldn't um, yeah, be completely down on themselves. It is really hard to make a grand final when you lose when you lose one of them, uh, when you lose a final early on, and to go through that pathway that is tough to do, and that's going to be a challenge. But they weren't outplayed significantly or or outcoached. Um, on, on the positive side of things, Port was really good when they turned it on in the third quarter. They looked fantastic. They just had numbers around the ball everywhere. Pal Pepper had some really big moments uh, in the midfield for them. You talked about your wild card for Port being Stephen Motlop. He had about five, <laughs> five touches and kicked three goals, so he really yeah. stepped up as well. Um, so they they did what they needed to do on their home ground, that they got the win, and uh, they withstood the challenge, withstood the Geelong game style, and uh, and uh, came out victors in the end. Yeah, too many bodies around the stoppage, as you sort of pointed to. You mentioned the clearances. Center clearances only nine to seven, uh, but they were plus six in, in the stoppages. And I thought in the third quarter, even when the Cats were able to draw a stoppage, and they, and they were on the back foot, they were really trying to weather the storm there, uh, but Port were just too strong, too strong around the, the stoppages. Sam Powell Pepper was unbelievable. He had five clearances. Uh, Rockliffe had five. Ollie Wines had five. Boak had four. Robbie Gray had four. So just way to numbers. Way to numbers for the Powell. We know that's where they, uh, how they like to win games. If they can keep uh, the ball in their forward half and create stoppages, they'll back themselves in uh, to win those. And, and they certainly did. I mean, the third quarter was just an absolute demolition. And it wasn't always easy. And, and that's the thing. I mean, they had to scrap some of those goals. They, they weren't necessarily coming uh, in free-flowing play. And again, when we spoke about Charlie Dixon, what can you do if Charlie Dixon doesn't kick a big bag? And, and Dixon was well held again. I mean, he, he really didn't have a huge impact in the game from his own possessions. Only six touches uh, in the game and one goal, which came from a free kick. So in terms of that, the, the Cats did a good job. But what he does, and this is why I said on yesterday's podcast, he has to play deep, uh, close to the goals. Because even if he is creating that contest, the Geelong defenders were worried about him all night long, as you you, you know you can't blame them for, for feeling a little bit anxious with Charlie Dixon around. And he, he drew consistently two or three players uh, to the contest. And guys like Motlop, uh, and, and the other guys around there were able to get on the end of uh, scrappy goals, which is what you're going to need in a final. Charlie Dixon didn't even take a mark in this game. And for yeah. a guy that you know creates so many problems from his contested marking, um, that was pretty wild. And we talked about that. Like, what can they do if Dixon isn't there? And they were able to figure that out. They were able to play. Yeah, uh, Butters was able to put in some really big efforts. Um, Motlop, he kicked the goals. He also set up that one that everyone's going to give the credit to Butters for the hard effort to win the ball back in the third quarter. But it was a Motlop uh, tap-on that went to Laddams to, to kick that goal. Mm. So he was super creative there. And they found other avenues to goal, which was going to be a massive key. Um, we worried about you know, how things would go down back. 
how the matchup would go on Hawkins. But yeah, even though Hawkins did have the five shots of goal, they pushed him into the the right areas most of the time, and he wasn't he wasn't completely he wasn't damaging uh, as you would have seen in the past. So I think that was a, a win for guys like um, McKenzie and, and Cleary who were playing down there. So overall, yeah, pretty happy if you were a Port Adelaide supporter uh, with the way that they were able to handle a really, really strong Geelong team, get the win, get business done, and then uh, hopefully we get uh, Xavier Dersma, who suffered that uh, pretty like, pretty rough mm. knock. Hopefully yeah, he's ready yeah. to go uh, for the preliminary final back in Adelaide in a couple of weeks. But a great start to the finals. I don't think anyone would be you know, questioning too much the skill level or the actual quality of the game. I thought it was a really entertaining game. No, it was. And, and again, it, it is funny to, to look at the stats. And if you had said at the start uh, of the night, without taking the goal tallies into account, if you said Charlie Dixon didn't have a mark and only had six disposals, uh, and then Tom Hawkins had 13 disposals, six shots on goal, a uh, couple of clearances as well, I, I reckon you probably would have tipped that the Cats would have won this game. Uh, before we move on to the weekend, because we've got three finals to talk about here, you talk about moments in a final and there's there always is moments within a game that you look back and say wow that was pretty critical uh, in this game it spoke about the dominance of Geelong in the second quarter it's funny to look back and think about the end of the first quarter the end of the second quarter and the end of the third quarter at the end of each quarter there was a moment in the game at the first quarter Brandon Parfitt slides in takes a chest mark he would have had a shot from around 35 40 out not exactly a gimme but a good shot on goal he decides to handball to Gary Ablett he rushes a snap and uh, the siren goes. Second quarter, Cats kick a goal finally to take the lead with 20 seconds left. Uh, Port end up kicking a goal after the siren. Brad Ebert goes back and then slots it. It was a beautiful kick. And then the end of the third quarter, Mitch Duncan, uh, just one second too slow, getting the ball to Hawkins, and he would have had another shot on goal. So it was quite remarkable to look at the end of each of the first three quarters. There was a potentially uh, game-changing moment that occurred. Yeah, that seems to happen so often where you get these goals or incidents happening within the last 20 seconds of a quarter. And it was pretty stark last night to see that happen so much. Um, even the Dangerfield goal came pretty late in that uh, in that quarter, which yeah. is a fantastic run from the, the middle of the ground. He just kept uh, pulling away from blokes as he was bouncing, which is not something that's easy to do. So he was uh, he was fantastic in that little stretch. I will say... Play. I will say I was very concerned that he was going to mess up oh, one of bounce. those bounces. Oh, no. oh my goodness. <laughs> I, he was running so fast. I was like, hey, how can you run that quickly and, and bounce the ball like that? I was very, very concerned at that stage. We have a game tonight, Kane, um, and yeah. we are excited about it because it is Brisbane. It is Richmond. Um, teams are in, which is great. We don't have the teams for the weekend games yet. Harris Andrews is back for Brisbane, along with Berry, while Alex Yolman and uh, Jack Payne are out for uh, Richmond. Shea Bolton and Dion Prestia come back, so big names returning here. And Josh Caddy and Jack Ross out for Richmond. So getting these players back again, Kane, the, the one-week break has, has done the world of good for these teams with all these guys getting back into action. We've got basically, well, not quite full strength, but, but close enough to full strength with Richmond still without Lynch. Really interesting matchup here. Richmond has just completely dominated Brisbane almost every time they've played them in the last however many years. This one up in Brisbane, of course. Um, yeah, look, what, any any thoughts on the on the teams here? How we how worried are we about Prestia and his lack of match fitness? Well, just just firstly, I, I've thought about um, your 
uh, you advocating for the buy because it helps players get uh, back from injury. So I, I, I've just got a suggestion. Maybe next week, if there's a player like Tom Lynch that uh, has a hamstring injury, we can we can just keep having buys. We, we could just have two weeks, three weeks, four weeks in between the finals and just get everyone uh, back healthy. Is that is that? Do you want to do that? What are, what are we talking? What are we talking about here? Yeah, let's 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 keep having breaks. <laughs> let's just let's have let's one game every two weeks. I just it's it's a nice refresh. It's a nice reset, and. I'm not feeling refreshed or reset yeah. this morning. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, it's because you are you are so anti uh, anti competitiveness. You want to win by a nefarious means of just injuring other players and uh, taking yeah. on lower strength teams. But Brisbane, Richmond, um, Harris Andrews back. We didn't even think he'd be back for the prelim. Mm. There was a chance he wasn't going to return there, but he is back. Jared Berry is back as well. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this game. This is a massive call for Brisbane, as you mentioned yesterday, about them going out in, in straight sets last year and about Dustin Martin's record against uh, Brisbane. This is, a, it's not a must win, but like I said for Geelong, like losing a, a final makes it really tough to get back into the grand final and to win a premiership. And Brisbane have been you know, up the top of the ladder all season and have got these demons of last year, plus the Richmond things. They, they, There's a bit of extra pressure on them here, I'd say, and at home, and with that specter of the Brisbane Grand Final. Yeah, Richmond are in top nick. So you mentioned uh, Dion Presti. Obviously, he hasn't played for a long time. So uh, it will be interesting to see with Barry, obviously, coming back, although he's had a shoulder, so he's been able to probably keep that conditioning, only been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, with Presti coming in and Josh Caddy being dropped, uh, Caddy is a guy that they do roll through the midfield a little bit. He's a guy that will play forward. So I will be really curious to see uh, where Dion Presti plays, how much time he spends on ground, how many center bounces uh, he ends up uh, at uh, during this game. But going back to the last time they played, uh, Richmond 82, but 12 goals 10 to 4 goals 17, 41 for, for the Lions. Quite remarkable that they kicked 4 goals 17. But when you looked at the stats... Everything really uh, fell into favor for the Lions. They played the game that they wanted to play. They were able to control the football. They were able to take uh, a lot more marks, plus 20, uh, over uh, plus 20 marks on the game. And the difference was that Richmond were just able to win that. Uh, the, the contested footy on the ground, the ground balls, they were able to spread, use the handball uh, to their advantage. So I, I think this is going to be another, another game like that playing up at the Gabba. It'll be interesting to see uh, whether it's slippery. Uh, those conditions, because I, I think we've spoke about this, those dewy conditions up in Brisbane, I think favours the Tigers in the way they try and play. Yeah, we know that it's a get it forward at, at all costs. You know, just putting immense pressure on teams, and and that's that is going to be something that is really interesting here for for Brisbane to try and cope with that extra pressure of not only the finals and uh, and the, but the pressure of Richmond. The conditions are going to be interesting because that's been such a concern about these finals, these nighttime finals up in Queensland. How much is that going to have an impact on this game? I'm going to be watching that to see. If that is uh, actually as big an impact as what it's being made out, it feels like people are making out like they're playing in snow you know, half the time or, or on, a, on an ice rink with, uh, with some of the, the comments that have been made about this, uh, these conditions and whether it's actually going to be an impact. So we'll, we'll get a, a good idea of that. Last time these teams met, it was a 41-point win to Richmond at Metricon, not at the Gabba. And that was a Richmond team, of course, that was without Dion Prestia, who, who's returning. Um, what's, the, what's the key to this one? Is it just... I don't, is it is Brisbane kicking accurate, accurately for goal? Is, is that it? Is that the key? Yeah, really. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, the again, the statsinsider.com.au uh, score expectancy from that game. Uh, Brisbane, as we said, four goals, 17. Uh, only 38 points uh, for the game. Uh, is that right? Am I looking at the right thing here? 38? 
Is that right? Uh, 41. Uh, 41 to 82, they went down. Yep. Their expected score in that game was actually 64. Uh, so they were fell about four goals short of where they probably should have based on the probability. And, and Richmond was above where they probably should have been. They should have been down uh, a little bit lower than that. So you're talking about a game that ended up being seven goals that probably uh, should have only been two goals. Brisbane uh, had 12 shots on goal in general play in that game and, and didn't, didn't kick one, didn't kick a goal from 12 shots in general play. Uh, so, that, so that's where this game is going to be won. Again, against Richmond, you know that they're going to score. They're a really difficult team to stop uh, kicking goals because they don't rely on set shots. They don't rely on structured play. They rely on just uh, winning stoppages from the back half, creating turnovers and just surging forward. So I think the key for Brisbane in this game, I spoke about Grant Birchall being my wild card uh, in, in this game. I, I think they're going to be under fire. The Brisbane back line, what they have to do is is try and avoid... Uh, having open space in the defensive 50. And it sounds obvious, but uh, they they are going to be under fire. So when you're talking about uh, Grant Birchall, Harris Andrews obviously uh, back in the team as well, and Ryan Lester and Zach Bailey and Daniel Rich, all these guys, it's going to have to be a team effort. You don't have Tom Lynch there, so you probably don't have that tall target for Richmond that's going to suck everyone to the contest a la Charlie Dixon last night. Uh, They should be able to play one-on-one and back themselves in. But uh, that's that's the key with Richmond, uh, not allowing uh, them to get those surge goals. Easier said than done. Oh, well, yeah, that's that's the thing is we, we can give, you know, keys to victory and all that sort of stuff, but it's you, to execute it when the other team's trying to not allow you to execute it is obviously really, really tough, and Richmond excels at that and puts that pressure on. Um, it, it is, it's going to be a massive game. It's, you know, is it, is it the game of, of, of week one of the finals? Probably in terms of just what it means and, and what it tells us about these teams moving forward. You know, can Brisbane hold serve at home? What does Richmond do? Where does Richmond go if they lose this one? Like, how, how does that impact them? This is the one that I think is absolute prime time to, to, to watch and to get the most out of, even though your teams aren't going home in this game. It, it still has the impact to me of a lose and you're eliminated type of game, despite that not actually being the case. Yeah, last time these two teams met, Jack Rewalt kicked four, Tom Lynch kicked three. So the big forwards obviously had an impact, and now that's yeah, that's Rewalt. Can he handle that that pressure of being the only tall forward down there now? And how does that impact? You know, Harris Andrews probably goes to him. They've got other other options to throw in there. Um, yeah, how is that going to have an impact on, on how all that works out? So I am super interested to see how this all goes down tonight. Um, and you, you still. Yeah, you still have to. I'd still have Richmond as premiership favourite, despite what Port did last night. But that could really easily change after tonight's game. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Richmond's still probably clearly the favourites, and, and maybe Brisbane still second favourite, just because they are going to. They're not going to have to leave Queensland. The one thing that I will uh, note, and this is sort of tying last night's game into this as well, when we talked about the accuracy, I don't think Richmond's going to have a problem with it. They've played a couple of games in front of crowds, particularly that game that they played in Adelaide against against Port. But Geelong, for sure, have not played in an environment even close to that last night. Not even not even close. I mean, Port Adelaide has a couple of times they've played at, at home at Adelaide Oval. Do you think that the, the crowd, how much of a factor do you think it has? Maybe it won't on Richmond, as I said, because they've been in that environment this year. But for Geelong, it was uh, over 12 months since they'd played in an arena like that with a crowd like that. And I, I was watching the game and wondering whether that was had something to do with some of the goal-kicking issues that they had. We know that there's a lot of Richmond fans up in Brisbane, but uh, having the home crowd and playing at the Gabba, certainly in 2020, is a significant advantage and why we think that this is a great opportunity for Brisbane to win a flag. 
Yeah, uh, I, I, no one would admit it. I don't think any players would admit it. That, oh, yeah, the crowd yeah, threw us off or that changed our game. But I reckon there's got to be some sort of an impact because it just is. And I think even at the start of the season, having no crowd was an impact as well yeah, to some yeah. players. It's just an adjustment, an adjustment to what you're doing and, and to how things are going and the way that you played. And then you've adjusted over 20 weeks and now you've got to go back to the, the rest of it. Um, there's so much that, that is, yeah, maybe it's 1%, but... When you're talking elite footy, one percent change can be a really, really big difference, and I think that's uh, that's something that is important and probably gets overlooked a little bit. We aren't going to overlook this game because we need to talk about it because we're locked on AFL. But there are two other games on the weekend, and these are the do or die games: West Coast and Collingwood Saturday night, Bulldogs and St Kilda Saturday afternoon. We don't have the teams at this point. So we don't know who's coming back for West Coast. We assume that Norton and Wallace will play for the Bulldogs. We've got the St. Kilda issues with with Jaron Geary. We just don't know at this stage what's going on there. But these are games where these teams lose and and they're out. Now, these teams might not be big players. And by preliminary final week, none of these four might actually still be alive and ready to go. But they're big games, big pressure. And uh, I'm obviously pumped to watch at least one of those games. Um, Any thoughts (laughs) on the games on the weekend? Oh, I, I have plenty of thoughts, but I, I want to start with the, the Bulldogs and St. Kilda game. And people might be a little bit surprised. I know my friends were just, as, as they do every time Geelong lose, they, the, the phone just starts blowing up. And they're, they're just being absolute dickheads in the in the group text, <laughs> just giving me endless shit. It's it's a really painful process to go through. But I think uh, most people you know, might have thought that I might have been a little bit upset this morning. But, hey... The, the, the cats are still alive. There's still chance. There's still a hope. But for you on Monday morning, potentially you won't be still alive. So I want to hear how I you're ho- feeling. I hope, I'm, I hope I'm still alive. Well, true. I, I do hope you're still breathing. But your football team, uh, football team season might not be alive. Let me clarify that. Last time you played St Kilda, went down uh, 88 to 49. Now that was on the 14th of June, which feels literally a decade ago. But you tell me. What are we watching in this game? How can the Bulldogs turn that around? Do you take anything away from that? It was so long ago. I don't know if you can take anything away from it. The Bulldogs, it was the first game back after the hiatus. They looked disinterested in that game. There were players that didn't play due to you know conditioning issues as well that didn't come back. The, the team, the Bulldogs have won five out of their last six. There's some that have been against easy teams, but that's you know, one of the you know, best form lines of any team. I think the St. Kilda might be 3-3 three and three over that time, or at least 4-2. and two. But the Bulldogs have a really strong form line coming into this one. Um, I you, have, you can't completely discount what happened in round two, but I don't think that it's completely indicative of what we're expecting here. The big thing to me is that yeah, Tim English got yeah, destroyed in that game. He was just monstered yeah. around the ground at, at center bounces and didn't have that around the ground impact, but he's completely a, a different player now. He's a guy that's taking contested grabs in the forward line, can taking contested grabs in the defensive 50. He's winning hitouts, hitouts to advantage. We know if he gets his hand on the ball, his hitout to advantage rate is pretty good, and he's get, gathering possessions around the ground. Can Marshall and Ryder yeah, deal with that? Um, we've had you know, step-ups from lots of other Bulldog players, you know, more impact from, from Caleb Daniel, who was he's an All-Australian, but he wasn't at that level necessarily in round two. Bailey Williams has, has stepped up. Um, there's been a, a lot that's changed, and I think that from the way that things looked from there to now, the Bulldogs have improved, and St. Kilda has gotten worse. So that probably evens that margin somewhat. And you, we know what killed the Bulldogs. It was the hard running of guys like Hill and Ross and Butler in that game, and they should be completely switched on to uh, to not allow that to happen in this game. So I'm feeling semi-confident. If I had to have picked you know, any opponent out of the bottom four, St. Kilda would have been the, the, the team that I was more confident with um, 
uh, with uh, with playing, even though the only team out of the bottom four the Bulldogs have beaten is West Coast. <laughs> uh, I, I still think that there is there is a way here because the Bulldogs have been, and we talk about this all, all the time, is when the Bulldogs are on, they're one of the best teams in the game and one of the best teams to watch. But their percentage of being on versus being off has increased as the season's gone on. And if they're on for 60% of the game, then that becomes harder for opponents to deal with. Yeah, no disrespect to the uh, respective defensive structures of these two teams, but this is probably the final that I think might be the most entertaining stylistically because I think that they're going to go from end to end, and I think they're going to take it on, and I think there's going to be some really exciting goals, some free-flowing football that I just don't think you're necessarily going to see from a Brisbane-Richmond game tonight where it's going to be super, super high pressure. Um, Also, uh, you know, from a Collingwood West Coast game where we know Collingwood's a really dour team, particularly defensively. So uh, I think that this is the pick of the games for uh, goal kicking, for high scoring. St Kilda, we know the way they're going to score. We spoke about it all season. If you go back to that game in round two, they had eight shots within 25 metres of goal. So that's that's St Kilda. That's typical St Kilda football. I, I remember distinctly Jack Billings getting a few goals uh, running into the open goal. He kicked three on the day and had 24 disposals. Butler, who you mentioned, had two. And the other player, just brand new to St Kilda at the time, Zach Jones, 29 oh, disposals yeah. in the game, just completely tore it to shreds. So these runners of the Saints are the guys that the Bulldogs have to be wary of because we know the Bulldogs will run in numbers. They'll flick the ball around. They'll try and spread. Uh, but if you turn the ball over there, which if the Saints can bring the required pressure and get those turnovers, uh, they're going to find themselves with some easy scoring shots down the other end. So uh, it, I, I think that this game maybe has the, the most potential for, for a blowout either way as well. I'll say that because because uh, of the way that they play. I think there's a, there is a chance that a team could get a bit of a run on. I, I just don't know which one it's going to be. One last thing on this game. In that first game, the Saints outgained the Bulldogs by over 600 metres, and that was, from watching it, you saw how much they run. But the other thing is, Tom Libertori didn't play in this game in round Mm. two. And we've seen the impact that he's had since coming back in. And the the Saints won contested possession. They were plus 12. They were plus five in centre clearances, 14 to nine. And having Liber in there, is probably going to even that number up, which then you reduce those things and that can reduce that outside run and the ability to get an extra 600, 700 metres gained is probably not going to happen with Libba in the middle there to to put the clamps on at a Jones or a Ross or or Billings or one of those guys or Jack Steer, whoever it is that's running wild. I think that's going to have a a really big impact in this one. The other game is, of course, West Coast and Collingwood uh, on Saturday night. The last time these two teams met was a blowout. And interestingly, the three games that we've got here, the, the... Matchups have all been forty plus points <laughs> during the uh, during the home away season. The West Coast one was like a sixty pointer. Collingwood gave up in the second half of that game. Their team looks considerably different. Trelaw is there. Dugowie is there. We didn't see those guys playing. Pendlebury, I don't believe, played in that West Coast game either. So things, are, I don't think we take fully. Uh, yeah, what happened in that game as what's a, a repeat here, but it's really going to be bloody tough to knock off the Eagles in Perth, getting some players back. We don't know who exactly. We know it's not going to be Elliot Yo, but getting some extra players back into the team, um, they're going to be really tough to get over here. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I think this is going to be so difficult for Collingwood is just kicking a score. And we've spoke about it all year, but I just don't think as good as the Pies are, unless they completely go... 100% defensive and just completely turn this game into a slugfest. I don't think that they're going to be able to kick enough goals to beat West Coast. Uh, the reason why I had Jaden Stevenson as my wild card for Collingwood in the finals is for that reason, because they're going to need someone to step up that hasn't done so during the year. Yes, Jordan to go, we know. If he kicks six, great. That's going to be huge for the Pies, and they'll give themselves a chance to win. But it's probably going to have to be one of the other guys 
that has been a bit down on form, and certainly Stevenson has been that. And the other guy that I think is the key, I mean, you spoke last time about the fact that uh, Penderbury, and, and if we remember, he was actually the late withdrawal. That that was the game that yeah. he uh, hurt his quad, like right in the in the warm-up. It was, it was such a weird uh, scenario. But they were down a couple in the middle, but when West Coast really got rolling, they were they were irresistible. And the clearance numbers at the end of the game were kind of cl- clean. Uh, sorry, uh, they were kind of, um, what am I trying to say, even here. Uh, but Nick Nat went through periods of that game where he was just unbelievable. And he doesn't get a lot of disposals. He doesn't do a lot around the ground. But what he does is get clearances. He had five in that game, 24 hitouts, uh, only 82 meters gained. But everything he did seemed to have a huge impact on the contest. So Brody Grundy, we've spoke about it. He's got to step up. He has to find a way to stop Nat Nui from giving uh, that silver service to the West Coast midfielders, Tim Kelly, Shuey. We know we know the names. We know the stars. Uh, he somehow has to stop Nick Nat Nui from taking over this game because in a 15-minute period, uh, he can blow it wide open. Also, yeah, West Coast, they're most likely getting Josh Kennedy uh, or to a better Josh Kennedy than what we saw against North Melbourne mm-hmm. where he had the, the, the two touches there. So he should be ready. It is, it's going to be really tough. I, I think you said blowout would be maybe the Bulldogs St. Kilda. I reckon this one's probably got more of a risk of it personally because I think if West Coast gets on top um, with the with the crowd and with their potential midfield dominance and with the strength of that forward line, uh, I think it, I think it could get ugly. It won't necessarily. Maybe I'm underselling Collingwood, who had some real moments of playing some good footy. You saw what they did against your mob earlier in the year. Um, yeah, they took it up to Richmond really early on. But yeah, I just it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to beat West Coast, who are basically unbeatable at home for whatever reason that is. It's really tough to get over them. We've got you know, three games here left in week one of the finals, Kane. It's super exciting. We'll be back on Monday to wrap up the rest of that action and then move into previewing the semi-final week, week two of the finals. Thank you again for another week. First week in uh, Lockdown AFL Finals history, Kane. <laughs> yeah, we're actually uh, starting to creep up on 100 episodes. It's hard to believe uh, we've been rolling along for that long. But hey, all the best to you on the weekend, my friend. Yes, yeah, so I'll be uh, locked in on Saturday afternoon, guys. You can lock into this podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And today, I will leave you with a shout-out to Jamie Shanahan. <laughs> 